Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, enkindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This week, we have been deeply horrified by the violence that has erupted in Israel and Palestinian communities. The unprecedented and unprovoked attack on innocent civilians from the Hamas organization killed men, women, and children. And the response from Israel is leading to the deaths of even more. Wars, conflict, and the mortality and injuries they create are devastating and we keep the victims in our hearts and prayers, even as we seek for a solution that will give lasting peace to this and every other war-torn region of the world. And this week, our reading from the Gospel is the third one in Matthew's series that we share a desire to move away from. There is violence in this passage, and there is the temptation to soften the passage in some way. But that's not the nature of parables. Parables are designed to agitate, to ruffle feathers, to take us on a mental ride to a new and sometimes unexpected place. They are not clearly instructive with only one meaning. But parables are multi-layered, with shifting meanings and shifting characters. Very often, even the disciples ask Jesus to explain the parables to them and the meanings of the parables still were sometimes obscure, and this is no exception. This parable, if I may quote some podcasters, this parable is a doozy. And it is. And it's made more challenging if you decide that the king is God and the bridegroom or the slaves are Jesus and the invited guests don't come are Judeans, and the ones eventually invited to the feast are the Christians, and that's how I heard it over and over and over again. But that's not the only way to see it, because parables are multi-layered. Because it is a story and not a precise prescription or a history lesson, it is like our parables that teach persistence, like the tortoise and the hare, or facing the reality of the emperor's new clothes. Parables point us to a greater truth. And that takes me back to the beginning, to start looking at this with fresh eyes. It starts, the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of heaven may be compared to, not the kingdom of heaven is just like this. So then where in this story might we find the good news? Because like you, I was looking for it. We really don't know who the king is, or the bridegroom, or the absent bride, or the guests. Even if we could read the story from a first century Mithaean community perspective, even they would have to guess. But what we can do is look at the interactions that offer us a window into the heavenlies. What motif is repeated over and over again? The host was a king. He was rich with abundant resources. Here it was a joyous occasion, the wedding of his son, and he chose to share his wealth 
inviting others into a joyous space. He sends out his slaves to remind people that the invitation he has already extended to them only requires their presence, for the time is now. As was the custom, he sent a personal reminder, but they wouldn't come. Ah, but he wasn't disturbed. He wasn't even deterred. He was patient, and so he sent another delegation to them. Imagine his disappointment and consternation as he has previously invited people to share in this joyous and wonderful event. It's a big day for his family and friends. It's a wonderful event. He has done all he could. As the message paraphrase puts it, the table is set, the prime rib is ready to carve. Come, sit down, enjoy the feast. But their response was to make light of it, and they went away, one back to his farm, another to his business, living as though everything was usual, there was nothing special to celebrate, as though they had not been invited into the abundance of the king. Still others killed the messengers after capturing them and mistreating them. Can you imagine how the king must have felt? This was supposed to be a joyous occasion, and this has changed into one of disregard and brutality. There was no need for any harm, but the invited guests had responded to generosity in a murderous way and received a murderous response in return. For the Methian community, they may have reflected their despair over the destruction of Jerusalem. But we can see today that this truly highlights human nature. Have you ever considered that sometimes we might be just like them? When we offer something to another that means a lot to us, and then they treat it with disregard, we take that offense deeply. We respond from a place of woundedness, not curiosity, understanding, or forgiveness but in a way that doesn't build relationship and causes a greater divide and more pain. We see it out playing out in society with the gun violence here in Indianapolis that has spiraled out of control, and often it is linked to a perceived act of disrespect, the wrong color shirt, a side glance, an accidental bump that escalates into something deadly. Thankfully, the story doesn't stop here. The king and father takes yet another opportunity to be generous, nonetheless. He then sends his slaves out into the street and invites anyone who is available. He is committed to generosity, of giving to those who cannot give back, of sharing his wealth and bringing joy. The invitation was not based on anyone else's merit, but that the king wishes to have a good day for his son, to share his abundance, and to bring a cause for joy and celebration. What a roller coaster of emotions he must have gone through. But eventually, his table is full. He is finally ready to begin. As he looks out over the crowd, despite all his best efforts, things are not in order. He calls out friend. He doesn't call him slave. He doesn't call him guest. He says friend. And in the deep welcome that calls, his, calls him a friend, the only thing the man had to do was wear what was provided, as everyone else had. In response to the king's warm invitation, the man didn't even bother to do the minimum. The guests responded to the king's generosity with disregard, and he was removed from the banquet and suffered 
we are uncomfortable with anything that speaks of judgment. But sometimes, in the deep, 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 dark recesses of our heart, we want a God who is judgmental, who every once in a while puts down his divine foot and says, that's enough. Sometimes, when it seems there's no recourse but divine retribution, we want that for our enemies. Of course, we're hoping they're not praying the same thing about us. But in this parable, the king is repeatedly generous, asking only that they take the time to come and to share together in what has been provided. This Sunday is the kickoff of our stewardship season, where we are rooted in abundance. It's a more focused time of responding together out of our time, talent, and treasure to the goodness and generosity of God. We're invited in the parable to remember that God has a repeated desire to be with us, to provide for us, and to rejoice in what God has given us. So after the service, instead of our regular coffee hour, I invite each one of you to come up to the social hall. It's decorated differently, and the food is different from what we normally have on our Sunday coffee hour, more like something that might be eaten before a kickoff. We are stewards of our time, talent, and treasure. We are here together sharing our time. Several months ago, I spoke about us as a community sharing our talents, and that's our focus for this week. We have been looking for a creative way for everyone to be able to share the talent that God has given them. Some people like to do it online, others like a phone call, some by letter. Today, we're going to do it with footballs. On every table, there are football-shaped pieces of paper where you can write what All Saints means to you and what a talent that you have that you might be willing to share. Some talents are visible, like we hear from the choir. Some are less visible, like the ones who serve on the weekends and trim our property. But they're all talents. They're all valuable. And we're all stewards of them. And I invite you into a space so everyone else can see the richness that we have, how we're rooted in the abundance of God and what grace gifts God has given us. God has blessed us in so many ways. We have deep roots in the community. We have deep roots in our traditional liturgy and in the goodness of God. We are truly rooted in abundance. <laughs>